Virgie Tovar, hashtag lose hate, not wait, spoke to me in 2012 as she was working on Hot and Heavy, Fierce Fat Girls on Life, Love, and Fashion. She's the founder of Babe Camp, an online course to help you break up with diet culture, and has since been named one of the 50 most influential feminists of 2018 by Bitch Magazine. Her manifesto, You Have the Right to Remain Fat, is out now, and another book is on the way, called Flawless, Radical Body Positivity for Girls of Color, coming out spring 2020. Virgie's body of work is on point for the leadership conference Too Much Woman San Francisco, coming up this weekend, June 8th and 9th, which you can find on Eventbrite. And if circumstances are preventing you from getting a ticket for the whole weekend, just write to me at sexplorationwithmonica at gmail.com, and I promise I can help you out. That's M-O-N-I-K-A, so sexplorationwithmonica at gmail.com with a K. Now, let's go to Mills College Sex Positive Book Fair and talk to Virgie Tovar. This is sex. Everyone gets what they want. This is sexploration. Explore. Play. This is Sexploration with Monica. Sex is proof that God loves us and wants us to have fun. Sexploration with Monica at sexplorationwithmonica.com. So this is the lovely Miss Virgie Tovar. Welcome back to Sexploration with Monica, Virgie. Yay, I'm so happy to be here. You have been up to some really good stuff lately. Yes, I just edited. Well, it just came out. Um, it's my newest book. It's called Hot and Heavy, Fierce Fat Girls on Life, Love, and Fashion. It came out from Sale Press a few months ago, and it's been getting some really yummy press and, and all kinds of attention. I'm really enjoying it. And you brought the scale so that you can yay yourself. Yes. So the yay scales are actually a creation of Marilyn Wan, who is um, a fat activist who actually wrote the book Fat So. And we have uh, yay scales here. So you can stand on the scale and there are not numbers, there are words instead. And they say things like hot, sexy, perfect, attractive. I actually just yayed myself and I am uh, fine, F-I-N-E, yes. <laughs> awesome. I yayed myself and I'm sexy. Hey. It's really yes. fun, yeah, right? Yes. And why be like, oh, that number? Because your number really changes throughout the day anyway. And yeah, exactly. It's just about loving yourself. Exactly. Amen. Well, well, when we don't, when we kind of fo- shift the focus away from weight and to self-love, we find that actually our holistic health improves. So when we stop being numbers focused, we can actually focus on what we really want and need and listen to what our body is telling us about what we want and need. Right. Yes, which actually yeah. relates perfectly to today's theme, which is sexuality and sex positivity. Right. Well, and it's amazing like how when you start to be too focused on what just what you think you look like, right. which may not even be accurate because what you think you look like, you probably, like everyone else thinks you look great and they yes. like you and they want to have sex with you. But you're all like, I'm, uh, you know, I'm yes. too old, I'm too, uh, I'm too, uh. Yes. I'm too, uh, I'm too, ah, you know, whatever it is. I'm too wrinkly. I'm too something. Right. And, you know, and everyone else is just like, I love you and I want to have sex with you. Exactly. Well, it's funny. Uh, there's a study that was done several years ago that found that men tended to think that they were 30% more attractive right. and women tended to think they were something between like 30 and 50% less attractive than right. sort of like the general public perceived them. So, 
Yes. Right. And we're not saying that men need to start <laughs> stop thinking that they're attractive or anything. I mean, I'm sure you can just let your little freak flag fly there and just love yourself. That's good, too. Um, but the last time you were on the show, you uh, had just written um, Destination Double D Adventures of a Breast Fetishist. Yeah, I had. So um, that book was really fun. Um, it's very, you know, it's very focused on smut and boobs. And this book is a kind of a big departure in some ways from that. I mean, I talk a lot about my sexuality uh, in my chapter. It's actually an anthology. Um, my chapter is so lots of different people contributed to. Yes, lots of different people, and not everybody talked about sexuality. Um, but one of the sexiest things about the book is that April Flores, who's like a plus size Latina porn star, is on the cover, and she actually contributed a chapter as well. Um, so in a lot of ways, I mean, I feel like my work has become a lot more focused on body positivity and fat politics um, versus before where I feel like it was much more explicitly about sexuality and sex positivity more, yeah, more explicitly. And now I feel like there's a more of a kind of a combination, like a hybrid. Um, but yeah, so this book is much more about sort of fat women talking about fat life and being fabulous and feeling sexy and being fierce and being strong um, and what their journey has been to becoming like these fierce fat women. So talk to me more about that. What are some of the things that people have to transform from the normal culture to feel empowered and fierce and fabulous and fat? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of different themes. One of them, I mean, to, to sort of bring it back to the topic we love talking about, which is sexuality. Um, one of the things that I found were a lot of women talked about uh, having a partner who really affirmed their body, uh, having a partner who touches their belly and tells them that they're very sexy because they're fat um, and doesn't see their body as a separate entity. Like, I mean, I remember I used to, before sort of I had any concept of fat positivity, I um, used to date men who almost would deny my fat. You know, they would kind of like, you know, they would sort of say like, like oh, you're, you're not, not fat. fat. Yeah, you're not fat. Or like, oh, you're not fat like this one girl I'm not attracted to. And so it was like this kind of, I mean, and for me, you know, I remember feeling almost proud of myself because I because I was so ashamed of my own body. And then I found as I sort of got older and became more fat positive that I actually wanted partners to really recognize me for the fatness that my body is and that and recognize that they're attracted to it. Um, and so a lot of people, a number of people in the book talk about that. There's other things like being parts of radical organizations. Um, I'm actually here with No Lose well, today. Well, community is always yes. important. Yes, absolutely. So having friends. Um, a lot of people talk about fashion. Like a third of the book is committed to fashion and really... Uh, using fashion as a political tool to express kind of like rebellion um, and to experience sexiness and I really relate to that I love to wear shorts I love to wear ridiculous boots I love to to not hide yes exactly like right now I'm wearing a lace top that you can see through it's true you can and she's got this cute little leopard print collar that's like kind of like a necklace and it's also like got little gold accents on it it's so cute (laughs) thank you Um, so yeah those are just a few of the different tools that people use but it's an amazing amazing collection of 31 women talking really frankly about their lives. Yeah. What is fat politics? Fat politics is kind of a a general catch-all word for a lot of different kinds of politics that are related to body image. It goes by different names. Some people call it size acceptance. People call it, you know, fat positive community. Um, And it's essentially the politics that are really focused on, A, um, sort of, 
creating an awareness around fat discrimination in our culture, both interpersonally and institutionally. I think B, um, trying to eradicate, uh, you know, fat-based shaming and fat-based discrimination. Um, and I think also, <laughs> hey, my <nice> sister. <laughs> yes, I think also really getting to like really critically looking at body image as a, a point of critique and a point of like dissection in our culture to really kind of open our eyes to the way that um, the way that our bodies are viewed and politicized and the way that those things are mediated by things like gender and race and class and ability, for example. That's so. right. <laughs> yes. Seriously, I'm not, I have chills now. See, the thing <laughs> is, is like, especially living in a, po- like an advanced consumerist society, yeah. we're constantly seeing our own body as an object yes. and kind of wishing it was different or doing stuff to it or wanting to surgically alter it like yes. all, in all of these different ways even if it's just with fashion you know we oftentimes want to be just different and you know makeup and all these things and oftentimes some of these things that we do to modify our bodies to be more beautiful and I'm using finger quotes when I use the word beautiful it's not healthy right it's not actually good for you I mean I'm all for you know any kind of modification that you know doesn't harm you and and honestly even if you know it's everyone's personal choice right, right. so even if you want to lather yourself in phthalates you know go right ahead but you right. know they do cause they are linked to breast cancer just fyi so lots of things with fragrances and that sort of thing they have a lot of stuff that in them that could be bad so like why do we have this idea of what is you know sexy what is beautiful that is harmful to us you know Right. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it, I think that, you know, this is not my analysis. I think a lot of other really amazing feminists like Naomi Klein talks about. Yeah. Read the beauty myth. If you'd like to really sink your teeth into (laughs) that one. Whoa. Yes. I mean, it really talks about the way that there's kind of this, there's this consumerist tendency that's really fueled by things like sexism and racism and ableism and ageism, right? Like a lot of these things are about, like, I mean, I think about like, for example, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, even just like the, the, the skin lightening cream. It's not as visibly prevalent in, like, the United States. You know, you go to Asia, for example. I mean, I've spent a fair amount of time in, like, Thailand, and uh, there's a number of of skin lightening creams there. They're they're very prevalent in Russia as well. all over Southeast Asia. Yeah. You know, and, of course, people use skin lightening creams here, too. I mean, yes, yes. Often they're not marketed that way. (laughs) Well, I mean, what's interesting is, like, they're not often marketed. They're often marketed as... um, you know, uh, helping with discoloration. They don't use that verbiage here, which I find really interesting. Um, But like, you know, Well, they can't because they're like, well, we don't want to be racist, but here's a product that you can use to assuage your insecurity, which we happen to feed by showing you pictures of these people rather (laughs) than pictures of these people. Yes, totally. Yes. So I mean, it's what beauty is. (laughs) Right. Well, it's this kind of, you know, we become this captive market um, and these kinds of insecurities about, you know, dark skin or um, hair that is not straight or you know, a body that is not thin or whatever. All of these things are leveraged to make us buy things. They fuel consumerism. And I think that um, one of the questions I've been mulling over a lot is, you know, who would you be if you didn't hate your body? Yeah, really? And I think that for the, how the answer... How would you dress? Right. Who would you talk to? Yes. How, how friendly would you be? Yes. And I think the answer for Could most people... you get up people, in front of people and talk? <laughs> right. Right. Well, I think the answer for most people is radically different. Like, right. to, I mean, unrecognizably different. And I think for myself, like when I asked myself that question, it decided to change. Yeah. And why the heck do I hate myself? I mean, I am. I make my own choices and do the best that I can. And, yes. you know, why wouldn't I have compassion for myself? 
Yes, exactly. No, I mean, I think that we're not trained to have compassion for ourselves. Totally. And we're not... No one suggests it. Yes. And we don't... It's not part of a practice. Our practice is a culture. And I think also a lot of us just don't even have the language to dissect what's happening. And for me, like, that's one of my big things as a writer is to really help people acquire the linguistic tools and maybe the theoretical tools that they need to unpack all this stuff. Because when you really unpack it, it becomes very simple. You see that it's a game. You see that it's a racket. And you see exactly what the outcome is and exactly what happens when you manipulate people. For example, right now I'm learning a lot about copywriting just for my own career kind of stuff. Um, I'm starting to blog more professionally. And, you know, one of the things that you learn... Reading beauty copy? Oh, Oh God, yeah. Lipids. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the first things they teach you in copywriting is sell to the pain sell to the yeah, pain what people are wounded about yes and literally i was i was uh, attending a teleseminar the other day and the woman was who was leading it you know who was a you know a copywriter and has been for a long time said you, know, you the people need to feel you need to open up the wound pour salt in it and then give them the solution and, and they need like, to feel that, that pain that seems horrible yeah and when you and you when you really start to look at the industry yeah. you can tell that it's all selling to pain and what's the pain what what pain do women feel that our bodies are imperfect right. and why do we feel that pain because we have been taught that our bodies are the most important, if not the only thing about us that matter. And when Why? you think about it's that... it's not your brain. It's not you think, actually. No. You're thinking too much. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, and we've internalized that belief. And that's how, that's how we do things that don't be- benefit us because we've internalized this idea that we're not even here for us. We're not even here for our pleasure. We're here to look pretty and, you know, get people off and give people boners. And that's pretty much it, you right, know? Right, right, right. I know, and it is so important when you're having healthy, you know, pleasurable sex for you to feel into your own body and not treat it as an object, but treat it as a sensory pleasure wonderland. Yes, absolutely. And that's something, I mean, one of the, one of the uh, studies I was reading recently was showing that women who have been exposed to fat positive ideology actually report having better sex, not only physically like experiencing better sex, but are also better at negotiating, feel more confident negotiating the kind of sex they want to have. Because they're more empowered. Yes. See, the thing is, is and, and I've heard a lot of really toxic things about, um, that I'm not going to bother repeating about, you know, oh, fat girls are like this and da 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 And it's like, you know, if, 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 if you think that your body isn't perfect the way it is, then you're going to feel like someone's doing you a favor yes. by giving you sexual pleasure. And so you're not going to feel empowered to ask for pleasure. Yes. You're not going to ask for pleasure on your own terms. Maybe you're not going to ask for safer sex yes. stuff. Yes. And so it's really important for people to say, you know, this is my body and it is a temple. Yes. And we absolutely know that that attitude and that ideology is really, really unsafe, yeah. and it's really not good. It doesn't benefit the per- doesn't benefit the culture at large. And so, what I find really frustrating is when we have things like the war on obesity and all these different kinds of public health campaigns that are allegedly promoting health. It's about health, right? Like, well, is it really helping? Yes, exactly. When you are cementing two people who are already stigmatized that their body is inferior and deserves to be under attack. What does that do to their psychology and their ability to negotiate? You know, we're talking about like one-on-one things like sex, like you just said, you know, and you're absolutely right. Like that same study talked about condom negotiation and how a woman who doesn't value her body is much less likely to negotiate condom use, is much less likely to negotiate safer sex um, acts. And so this is clearly, in my opinion, when we're talking about like ground zero of health, we're talking about like, you know, negotiating 
creating sex. Um, if you're talking about anything related to, to the, the, like the data, the quote unquote data that have been positioned by, that have been kind of put forth by public health, this is, this is like over a decades, you know, this, that this alleged ill health would happen due to like being fat. Um, what about like these kinds of experiences where it's like one-on-one, -on -one, you know, like this kind of sexuality related stuff that, you know, really are impacted by things like body image and psychology? Well, especially if you're talking about like whether or not you love yourself and your experience of wellness as a human being is, is impacted simply by something that, you know, maybe you actually do exercise and maybe you do actually eat pretty well, but, you know, you just happen to have a couple of extra pounds or whatever and, yeah. and you're like on that obese scale at the doctor's office and you're kind of like, you know, what, what is, in, and our, our minds are so filled by, yes. you know, what perfection is right. and to not love your body. I mean, you know, how can you love it better or more? If yes. you're like coming from a place of not, you know, being wounded and not being perfect. Right. Well, I think that I think there's a few things that I recommend. Like the first is that it, the first is what I call auditing. Um, it's essentially looking at your life and figuring out who are the people, the experiences, the activities and the media you're consuming that and you're exposed to that are really triggering feelings of insecurity. And you can do this audit by, you know, you can do it in your head. You can do it in a journal. Um, you really want to be taking track, keeping track of what are the things in your life that are making you feel insufficient and are these people are these things and then you go then you start to do actual change and that's sort of step two like you know you you after the audit you look through it and you say gosh every time I read Cosmopolitan magazine for example I feel poor ugly unattractive and like my life is worthless like well if every time you read Cosmo you feel that way it's possible that if you don't read Cosmo that you will yes for example if you have and you start to manage relationships that make that that inspire those feelings so for example if you have a friend who is constantly talking about weight loss you know that might be something that you can communicate with that friend about like one on setting boundaries with that person what they can talk about with you and how they can talk about themselves with you um, I love you and I just want you to love yourself and so if you could just love yourself around me that would really be awesome yes exactly exactly and I mean I've had to have some of these conversations with with clients with people I really care about where I'm just sort of like you don't get to use the word obesity around me that's all boundary <laughs> it's like you're not gonna and every time you know every time you say it I'm not gonna go all you know, I'm not gonna get mad at you um, but I'm gonna check it I'm gonna check it I'm gonna point it out evaluate the boundary yes exactly exactly you're like really I think this is still important and this is how I feel when you say that and that's why this is a meaningful change yes exactly I really request that you make Yes. Two other suggestions. Like one is to really try and build or become part of, even if it's an online community, um, expose yourself to fat positivity online. Even if, if that's all the access you have, that's fine. You can, you can, uh, you can Google fat positivity. Um, you can Google fat politics. Um, you can Google size acceptance. Um, and I'm also going to be talking a lot more about these things in my next book, which I don't know when it's going to come out, but it's going to be a real guide to um, deprogramming yourself around body hate. So I'm excited about that. Ooh, that is really exciting. Yes. Virgie Tovar, do you see why I love Virgie Tovar? Every time <laughs> I have her on the show, it's always like, oh, the personal and the political. Oh, it's so sexy. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much for coming on the show again. Oh, it's good to see you. <laughs> Virgie Tovar at VirgieTovar.com. Too Much Woman San Francisco coming up this weekend at the Alcazar Theater, June 8th and 9th. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. And remember, you can always write to me at sexplorationwithmonica at gmail.com. That's M-O-N-I-K-A if you need help. 
Download free podcasts on iTunes and sexplorationwithmonica.com. Thanks for listening.